Hare Krishna, my dear devotees, <clears throat> welcome back to the daily readings of Srila Prabhupada's books right here in Hythe, otherwise known as the Haven, here in southeast England, just near the English Channel. Uh, you'll be happy to know that uh, Rasika Shiramani and I started today, officially, our last proof hearing of the audio files of the Chaitanya Charitamrita. And I want to say that we did the whole first, the whole uh, front matter and the first chapter, 54 verses and purports of the first chapter. We got that done today in about four hours. Uh, so from what I've heard so far, it's going to be well worth the wait. It may take us a little longer than we thought. Uh, there's 120 hours of hearing, of sound, in the whole book. And at four hours a day, that would take a month. Uh, maybe we'll squeeze in a few five-hour days. Uh, but we have to do the last dub-ins and mistakes that we find to correct, which aren't very many, but there are some. It's amazing uh, how difficult it is to find every single mistake in a book and this is also um, reinforcing the idea that, it, that it's natural that it took this long to polish edit all of Srila Prabhupada's books so all glories to the VBT all glories to sure. the VBT editorial department glories to the VBT um, audiobook department which we are now officially <laughs> Hare Krishna. Okay. Srimad Bhagavata Mahima Stotram <clears throat> from Sri Krishna Leela Stava. Um, text 412 through 416. Five extraordinary verses glorifying the Srimad Bhagavatam and putting it into proper perspective in our minds to prepare us for hearing it. It goes like this by Śrīla Sanatana Goswāmī. Sarva Shastrabdipi Yusha Sarva Vedhaika Satpala Sarva Siddhanta Ratnaja Sarva Lokaika Drikprada O nectar from the ocean of all scriptures, singular fruit of all the Vedas, rich mine of the precious gems of all conclusive truths, you are the only giver of sight to all the worlds. Sarva Bhagavata Prana, Srimad Bhagavata Prabho, Kali Dwanduddita Ditya, Sri Krishna Parivartita. O life heir of all the Supreme Lord's devotees, O Master, Srimad Bhagavatam, you are the sun risen in the darkness of Kali. You are the exact image of Sri Krishna. Paramananda Pataya. Prema Varshakshadayate Sarvadasavasevyaya Sri Krishnaya Namostume. I bow down to you who are supremely blissful to read. Your every syllable pours down a flood of prema. You can always be served by everyone. You are Sri Krishna Himself. Madeka Bando Matsangin Madguro Man Mahadana. My only friend, my constant companion, my spiritual master, my great wealth, my savior, my good fortune, my source of ecstasy, I bow down to you. Asadu sadhuta dayen atini chochata kada hanamunchakada chenmam premna rit kantayospuda. O bestower of saintliness to the unsaintly, O exalter of the most fallen, please never leave me. Always appear in my heart and my voice with pure love. Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya. Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya. Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya. 
All right. We're right in the middle of the heady chapter, uh, the philosophical chapter, chapter 87, Prayers by the Personified Vedas. And we are beginning today's reading, which is part three of this chapter. That means we've been reading two days previously. This is our third day. In the paragraph beginning, the next prayer of the Personified Vedas. <clears throat> the next prayer of the Personified Vedas to the Lord concerns His entering into different species of life. It is stated in the Bhagavad Gita, 14th chapter, that in every species and form of life the spiritual part and parcel of the Supreme Lord is present. The Lord Himself claims in the Gita that He is the seed-giving Father of all forms and species, who therefore must, be, must all be considered sons of the Lord. The entrance of the Supreme Lord into everyone's heart as Paramatma sometimes bewilders the impersonalists into equating the living entities with the Supreme Lord. They think both the Supreme Lord and the individual soul enter into various bodies. So where is the distinction? Why should individual souls worship the Paramatma or Supersoul? According to them, the Supersoul and the individual soul are on the same level. They are one without any difference between them. Without any difference between them. There is a difference, however between the Supersoul and the individual soul. And this is explained in the Bhagavad Gita, 15th chapter, wherein the Lord says that although He is situated with the living entity in the same body, He is superior. He is dictating or giving intelligence to the individual soul from within. It is clearly stated in the Gita that the Lord gives intelligence to the individual soul and that both memory and forgetfulness are due to the influence of the Supersoul. No one can act independently of the sanction of the Supersoul. The individual soul acts according to his past karma, reminded by the Supersoul. The nature of the individual soul is forgetfulness. But the presence of the Lord within the heart <clears throat> reminds him of what he wanted to do in, this, in his past life. The intelligence of the individual soul is exhibited like fire in wood. Although fire is always fire, it is exhibited in a size proportionate to the size of the wood. Similarly, Although the individual soul is qualitatively one with the Supreme Soul, he exhibits himself according to the limitations of his present body. But the Supreme Lord, or the Supersoul, is unlimited. He is said to be Ekarasa. <clears throat> Eka means one, and Rasa means mellow. The transcendental position of the Supreme Lord is that of eternity bliss, and full knowledge. His position of ekarasa does not change in the slightest when he becomes a witness and advisor to the individual soul in each individual body. But the individual soul, from, the Lord, from Lord Brahma down to the ant, exhibits his spiritual potency according to his present body. The demigods are in the same category with the individual souls in the bodies of human beings or in the bodies of lower animals. Intelligent persons, therefore, do not worship different demigods who are simply 
infinitesimal represent, represent, representatives of Krishna manifest in conditioned bodies. The individual soul can exhibit his power only in proportion to the shape and constitution of the body. The Supreme Personality of Godhead, however, can exhibit his full potencies in any shape or form without any change. The Mayavadi philosopher's thesis that God and the individual soul are one and the same cannot be accepted because the individual soul has to develop his power according to the development of different types of bodies. The individual soul in the body of a baby cannot show the full power of a grown man. But the Supreme Personality of Godhead, Krishna, even when lying on the lap of his mother as a, as a baby, could exhibit his full power by killing Putana and other demons who attacked him. Thus, the spiritual potency of the Supreme Personality of Godhead is said to be ekarasa, without change, or without change. The Supreme Personality of Godhead, therefore, is the only worshipable object, and this is perfectly known to persons who are uncontaminated by the modes of material nature. In other words, only the liberated souls can worship the Supreme Personality of Godhead. Less intelligent Mayavadis take to the worship of the demigods, thinking that the demigods and the Supreme Personality of Godhead are on the same level. The personified Vedas continued to offer their obeisances. Dear Lord, they prayed. After many, many births, those who have actually become wise take to the worship of your lotus feet in complete knowledge. This is confirmed in the Bhagavad Gita, wherein the Lord says that after many, many births, a great soul, or Mahatma, surrenders unto the Lord, knowing well that Vasudev, Krishna, is the cause of all causes. The Vedas continued, as already explained, since the mind, intelligence, and senses had been given to us by God, when these instruments are actually purified, there is no alternative but to engage them all in the devotional service of the Lord. A living entity's entrapment in different species of life is due to the misapplication of his mind, intelligence, and senses in material activities. Various kinds of bodies are awarded as, a, as the result of the living entity's actions and they are created by the material nature according to the living entity's desire. Because a living entity desires and deserves a particular kind of body, it is given to him by the material nature under the order of the Supreme Lord. In Srimad Bhagavatam, third canto, it is explained that under the control of superior authority, a living entity is put within the semen of a male and injected into the womb of a particular female in order to develop a particular type of body. A living entity utilizes his senses, intelligence, mind and so on in a specific way of his own choosing and thus develops a particular type of body within which he becomes encaged. In this way, the living entity becomes situated in different species of life, either in a demigod, human, or animal body, according to different situations and circumstances. It is explained in the Vedic literature that the living entities entrapped in different species of life are, but, are, but, are part and parcel of the Supreme Lord. The Mayavadi philosophers mistake the living entity for the Paramatma who is actually sitting with the living entity as a friend. Because the Paramatma, the localized aspect of the, the Supreme Personality of Godhead, 
and the individual living entity are both within the body, a misunderstanding sometimes takes place that there is no difference between the two. But there is a definite difference between the individual soul and the super-soul, and it is explained in the Varaha Purana as follows. The Supreme Lord has two kinds of parts and parcels. The living entity is, mm, is called Vibhinangsha, and the Paramatma, or the plenary expansion of the Supreme Lord, is called Swangsha. The Swangsha plenary expansion of the Supreme Personality of Godhead is as powerful as the Supreme Personality of Godhead Himself. There is not even the slightest difference between the potency of the Supreme Person and that of His plenary expansion as Paramatma. But the Vibhinangsha parts and parcels possess only a minute, only a minute portion of the potencies of the Lord. The Narada Pancharatra states that the living entities who are the marginal existence, that the, who are the marginal potency of the Supreme Lord are undoubtedly of the same quality of spiritual existence as the Lord Himself, but they are prone to be tinged with the material qualities. Because the, because the minute living entity is prone to be subjected to the influence of material qualities, he is called Jiva. And sometimes the Supreme Personality of Godhead is also known as Shiva, the all-auspicious one. So the difference between Shiva and Jiva is that all-auspicious is that the all-auspicious Personality of Godhead is never affected by the material qualities, whereas the minute portions of the Supreme Personality of Godhead are prone to be affected by the qualities of material nature. The Supersoul within the body of a particular living entity, being a plenary portion of the Lord, is worshipable by the individual living entity. Great sages have therefore concluded that the process of meditation is designed so that the living entity, the individual living entity, may concentrate his attention on the lotus feet of the super-soul form, Vishnu. That is real samadhi. The living entity cannot be liberated from material entanglement by his own effort. He must therefore take to the devotional service of the lotus feet of the Supreme Lord or the Super-Soul within Himself. Sridhar Swami, the great commentator on Srimad Bhagavatam, has composed a nice verse in this regard, the meaning of which is as follows. My dear Lord, I am eternally a part of You, but I have been entrapped by the material potencies which are also an emanation from you. As the cause of all causes, you have entered my body as the super-soul, and I have the prerogative of enjoying the supreme blissful life of knowledge along with you. Therefore, my dear Lord, please order me to return to you, return your loving service so that I can again be brought to my original position of transcendental bliss. <clears throat> Great personalities understand that a living entity entangled in this material world cannot be freed by his own efforts. With firm faith and devotion, such great personalities engage themselves in rendering transcendental loving service to the Lord. That is the verdict of the personified Vedas. The personified Vedas continued, Dear Lord, it is very difficult to achieve perfect, perfect knowledge of the Absolute Truth. Your Lordship is so kind to the fallen souls 
that you appear in different incarnations and execute different activities. You appear even as a historical personality of this material world, and your pastimes are very nicely described in the Vedic literature. Such pastimes are as attractive as the ocean of transcendental bliss. People in general have a natural inclination to read narrations in which ordinary jivas are glorified, but when they become attracted by the Vedic scriptures which delineate your eternal pastimes, they actually dip into the ocean of transcendental bliss. As a fatigued man feels refreshed by dipping into a reservoir of water, so the conditioned soul, who is very much disgusted with material activities, becomes refreshed and forgets all the fatigue of material activities simply by dipping into the transcendental ocean of your pastimes. Haribo. And eventually, he merges into the ocean of transcendental bliss. The most intelligent devotees, therefore, do not take to any means of self-realization except devotional service and constant engagement in the nine different processes of devotional life, especially hearing and chanting. When hearing and chanting about your transcendental pastimes, <clears throat> when hearing and chanting about your transcendental pastimes, your devotees do not even care for the transcendental bliss derived from liberation or from merging into the existence of the Supreme. Such devotees are not interested even in so-called liberation, and they certainly have no interest in material activities for elevation to the heavenly planets for sense gratification. Pure devotees seek only the association of paramahamsas, or great liberated devotees, so that they can continuously hear and chant about your glories. For this purpose, the pure devotees are prepared to sacrifice all comforts of life, even, even giving up the material comforts of family life and so-called society, friendship, and love. Those who have tasted the nectar of devotion by relishing the transcendental vibration of chanting your glories Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare, do not care for any other spiritual bliss or for material comforts, which appear to the pure devotee as less important than the straw in the street. The personified Vedas continued, Dear Lord, when a person is able to purify his mind, senses, and intelligence by engaging himself in devotional service, in full Krishna consciousness, his mind becomes his friend. Otherwise, his mind is always an enemy. When the mind is engaged in the devotional service of the Lord, it becomes the intimate friend of the living entity because the mind can then think of the Supreme Lord always. Your Lordship is eternally dear to the living entity. So when the mind is engaged in thought of you, one immediately feels the great satisfaction for which he has been hankering life after life. When one's mind is thus fixed on the lotus feet of the Supreme Personality of Godhead, one does not take to any kind of inferior worship or inferior process of self-realization. By attempting to worship a demigod or by taking to any other process of self-realization, the living entity becomes a victim of the cycle of birth and death. And no one can estimate how much the living entity is degraded by entering abominable species of life such as cats, and dogs. Sri Narottam Das Thakur <clears throat> has sung that persons who do not take to the devotional service of the Lord but are attracted 
to the process of philosophical speculation and fruitive activities drink the poisonous results of such actions. Such persons eat all kinds of obnoxious things, such as meat, and take pleasure in alcohol and other intoxicants, and after death they are forced to take birth in lower species of life. Materialistic persons <clears throat> generally worship the transient material body and forget the welfare of the spirit soul within the body. Some take shelter of materialistic science to improve bodily comforts, and some take to the worship of demigods to be promoted to the heavenly planets. Their goal in life is to make the material body comfortable, but they forget the interest of the spirit soul. Such persons are described in the Vedic literature as suicidal, because attachment for the material body and its comforts forces the living entity to wander through the process of birth and death perpetually and suffer the material pangs as a matter of course. The human form of life is a chance for one to understand his position. Therefore, the most intelligent person takes to devotional service just to engage his mind, senses, and body in the service of the Lord without deviation. The personified Vedas continue, continued, Dear Lord, there are many mystic yogis who are very learned and, and, and deliberate in achieving the highest perfection of life. They engage themselves in the yogic process of controlling the life air within the body. Concentrating the mind on the, force of, on the form of Vishnu and controlling the senses very rigidly, they practiced the yoga system. But even after much laborious austerity, penance and regulation, they achieved the same destination as persons inimical toward you. In other words, both the yogis and the great wise philosophical speculators ultimately attain the impersonal Brahman effulgence, which is automatically attained by the demons who are regular enemies of the Lord. Demons like Kangsa, Shishupal, and Dantavakra attain the Brahman effulgence because they constantly meditate upon the Supreme Personality of Godhead out of enmity. The real point is to concentrate the mind of the on the Supreme Personality of Godhead. Women, such as the gopis, were attached to Krishna, being captivated by his beauty, and their mental concentration on Krishna was provoked by lust. They wanted to be embraced by the arms of Krishna, which resemble the beautiful round shape of a snake. Similarly, we, the Vedic hymns, simply concentrate our minds on the lotus feet of your Lordship. Women like the gopis concentrate upon you under the dictation of lust, and we concentrate upon your lotus feet to go back home, back to Godhead. Your enemies also concentrate upon you, thinking always of how to kill you, and the yogis undertake great penance and austere penances and austerities just to attain your impersonal effulgence. All these different persons, although concentrating their minds in different ways, achieve spiritual perfection according to their different perspectives because you, O Lord, are equal to all your devotees. Sridhar Swami has composed a nice verse in this regard. My dear Lord, to be engaged always in thinking of your lotus feet is very difficult. It is possible for great devotees who have already achieved love for you and are engaged in transcendental loving service. My dear Lord, I wish that my mind may also be fixed somehow or other on your lotus feet, at least for some time. The attainment of spiritual perfection by different spiritualists 
is explained in the Bhagavad Gita, wherein the Lord says that He grants the perfection the devotee desires in proportion to the devotee's surrender unto Him. The impersonalists, yogis, and enemies of the Lord enter into the Lord's transcendental effulgence. But the personalists <clears throat> who follow in the footsteps of the inhabitants of Vrindavan or strictly follow the path of devotional service are elevated to the personal abode of Krishna, Goloka Vrindavan, or to the Vaikuntha planets. Both the impersonalists and the personalists enter the spiritual realm, the spiritual sky, but the impersonalists are given their place in the impersonal Brahman effulgence. Whereas the, personal, the personalists, whereas the personalists are given a position in the Vaikuntha planets or in the Vrindavan planet according to their desire to serve the Lord in different mellows. The personified Vedas stated that persons born after the creation of this material world cannot understand the existence of the Supreme Personality of Godhead by manipulating their material knowledge. Just as a person born in a particular family cannot understand the position of his great-grandfather who lived before the birth of the recent generation, we are unable to understand the Supreme Personality of Godhead, Narayana, or Krishna, who exists eternally in the spiritual world. In the 8th chapter of the Bhagavad Gita, it is clearly said that the Supreme Person who lives eternally in the spiritual kingdom of God, Sanatan Dham, can be approached only by devotional service. As, as for the material creation, Brahma is the first created being. Before Brahma, there was no living creature within this material world. It was void and dark until Brahma was born on the lotus flower that sprouted from the abdomen of Garbhodakashayi Vishnu. Garbhodakashayi Vishnu is an expansion of Karnodakashayi Vishnu. Karnodakashayi Vishnu is an expansion of Sankarshan and Sankarshana is an expansion of Balarama who is an immediate expansion of Lord Krishna. After the creation of Brahma, the two kinds of demigods were born. Demigods like the four brothers, Sanaka, <coughs> Sanatan, Sananana, and Sunat Kumara, <coughs> who were representatives of renunciation <coughs> of the world. <coughs> Excuse me. After the creation of Brahma, the two kinds of demigods were born. Demigods like the four brothers, Sanaka, Sanatana, Sanandana, and Sanatkumara, who were representatives of renunciation of the world, and demigods like Marichi and their descendants, who were meant to enjoy this material world. <clears throat> From these two kinds of demigods were gradually manifested all other living entities, including the human beings. Thus, all living creatures within this material world, including Brahma, all the demigods, and all the Rakshasas, are to be considered modern. <laughs> Krishna. This means <clears throat> that they were all born recently. Therefore, just as a person born recently in a family cannot understand the situation of his distant forefather, no one within this material world can understand the position of the Supreme Lord in the spiritual world because the material world has only recently been created. Although they have a long duration of existence, all the manifestations of the material world, namely the time element, the living entities, the Vedas, and the gross and subtle material elements are created at some point. Thus, 
any process manufactured within this created situation as a means for understanding the original source of creation is to be considered modern. <clears throat> Therefore, by the process of self-realization or God-realization through fruitive activities, philosophical speculation or mystic yoga, one cannot actually approach the supreme source of everything. When the creation is completely terminated, when there is no existence of the Vedas, no existence of material time, no existence of the gross and subtle material elements, and when all the living entities are in the non-manifested stage, resting within Narayana, then all these manufactured processes become null and void and cannot act. Devotional service, however, is eternally going on in the eternal spiritual world. Therefore, the only factual process of self-realization or God-realization is devotional service. And one who takes to this process takes to the real process of God-realization. In this regard, Srila <clears throat> Sridhar Swami has composed a verse which conveys the idea that the supreme source of everything, the supreme personality of Godhead, is so great and unlimited that it is not possible for the living entity to understand Him by any material acquisition. One should therefore pray to the Lord to be engaged in His devotional service eternally so that by the grace of the Lord one can understand the supreme source of creation. The supreme source of creation, the supreme, the supreme Lord, reveals Himself only to the devotees. In the fourth chapter of the Bhagavad Gita, the Lord says to Arjuna, My dear Arjuna, because you are my devotee and because you are my intimate friend, I shall reveal to you the process of understanding me. In other words, the supreme source of creation, the supreme personality of Godhead, cannot be understood by our own endeavor. We have to please Him with devotional service and then He will reveal Himself to us. Then we can understand Him to some extent. There are different kinds of philosophers who have tried to understand the Supreme Source by their mental speculation. There are generally six kinds of mental speculators whose speculations are called Shad Darshana. All these philosophers <clears throat> are impersonalists and are known as Mayavadis. Every one of them has tried to establish his own opinion, although they, have, although, although they all have later compromised and stated that all opinions lead to the same goal and that every opinion is therefore valid. According to the prayers of the personified Vedas, however, none of them is valid because their process of knowledge is created within the temporary material world. They have all missed the real point, the Supreme Personality of Godhead, or the Absolute Truth, can be understood only by devotional service. One class of philosophers, known as the Mimangshakas, represented by sages such as Jaimini, have concluded that everyone should engage in pious activities or prescribed duties and that such activities will lead one to the highest perfection. But this is contradicted in the ninth chapter of the Bhagavad Gita, where, Krishna, where Lord Krishna says that by pious activities one may be elevated to the heavenly planets, but as soon as, as one's accumulation of pious activities is used up, one has to leave the enjoyment of a higher standard of material prosperity in the heavenly planets and immediately come down again to these lower planets where the duration of life is very short and where the standard of material happiness is of a lower grade. 
The exact words used in the Bhagavad Gita are chine punye, marchalokam vishanti. Therefore, the conclusion of the Mimamsaka philosophers that pious activities will lead one to the absolute truth is not valid. Although a pure devotee is by nature inclined to perform pious activities, no one can attain the favor of the Supreme Personality of Godhead by pious activities alone. Pious activities may purify one of the contamination caused by ignorance and passion, but this purification is automatically attained by a devotee constantly engaged in hearing the transcendental message of Godhead in the form of the Bhagavad Gita, Srimad Bhagavatam, or similar scriptures. From the Bhagavad Gita we understand that even a person who was not up to the standard of pious activities but who was absolutely engaged in devotional service is to be considered well situated on the path of spiritual realization, perfection. I'll read that again. From the Bhagavad Gita we understand that even a person who is not up to the standard of pious activities but who is absolutely engaged in devotional service is to be considered well situated on the path of spiritual perfection. It is also said that the Bhagavad Gita, it is also said in the Bhagavad Gita that a person who is engaged in devotional service with love and faith is guided from within by the Supreme Personality of Godhead. The Lord Himself as Paramatma or the spiritual master sitting within one's heart gives the devotee exact directions by which he can gradually go back to Godhead. The conclusion of the Mimanchaka philosophers is not actually the truth which, one, which can lead one. The conclusion of the Mimanchaka philosophers is not actually the truth which can lead one to real understanding. Similarly, there are Sankhya philosophers, metaphysicians, or materialistic scientists who study this cosmic manifestation by their invented scientific method, but do not recognize the supreme authority of God as the creator of the cosmic manifestation. They wrongly conclude that the reactions of the material elements are the original cause of creation. The Bhagavad Gita, however, does not accept this theory. It is clearly said therein that behind the cosmic activities is the direction of the Supreme Personality of Godhead. This fact is corroborated by the Vedic injunction Sadva Somyedam Agra Asit, which means that the origin of creation, the origin of the creation existed before the cosmic manifestation. I'll read that again. This fact is corroborated by the Vedic injunction Sadva Somyedam Agra Asit, which means that the origin of the creation existed before the cosmic manifestation. Therefore, the material elements cannot be the cause of the material creation. Although the material elements are accepted as immediate causes, the ultimate cause is the Supreme Personality of Godhead Himself. The Bhagavad Gita says, therefore, that material nature works under the direction of Krishna. Then there are, the, the conclusion of the atheistic Sankhya philosophy is that because the effects, the phenomena of this material world are temporary or illusory, the cause is therefore also illusory. The Sankhya philosophers are in favor of voidism, but the actual fact is that the original cause is the Supreme Personality of Godhead and that this cosmic manifestation is the temporary manifestation of His material 
energy. When this temporary manifestation is annihilated, its cause, the eternal existence of the spiritual world, continues as it is, and therefore the spiritual world is called Sanatana Dharma, Dham, Sanatana Dham, the eternal abode. The conclusion of the Sankhya philosophers is therefore invalid. And I'm going to stop there. It's 8 o'clock. And we will continue tomorrow. Part 4 of this wonderful chapter 87. Prayers by the personified Vedas. Hare Krishna. So let us try to understand by our reflections and discussion what we've heard today. Hare Krishna. First, something from Rati Manjari. Hey Rati, Hare Krishna. She says, Jai Guru Maharaj. Jai Rati. From Deva Dharana. Devadarana Haribao. Jai Maharaj, please accept my humble obeisances. All glories to Srila Prabhupada and to you. All glories <coughs> to Srila Prabhupada. It is a pleasure to be here. Hare Krishna to one and all. Hare Krishna to you. And from Sir Devi Dasi. Haribao Sir Devi Dasi. She says, Hare Krishna Maharaj. This is from Bhakta Matsu. Bhakta Matsu, Hare Krishna. Please accept my humble obeisances. All glories to Sri the Prabhupada. Maharaj, thank you so much for keeping the constant nectar stream of Krishna Katha going consistently. <laughs> it's what we do for a living. <laughs> it's our duty and our pleasure. And from Bhakta Rupa. Haribo Bhakta Rupa. Hare Krishna Maharaj, please accept my humble obeisances. All glories to Srila Prabhupada. Really interesting that the Vedas were listed as one of the temporary created elements of the material world. It makes sense because the study makes sense because the study of the Vedas alone, without engaging in devotional service won't result in spiritual perfection. Well, this means when it says that they're what is it, what was it he just said? They're not, they're not if the personified Vedas are mentioned as an aspect of uh, material creation like Well, the, the, the Vedas are not created they're eternal but when they go back into the into the body of Mahavishnu, they're no longer manifested. Mm -hmm. So when it talks about the Vedas are, you know, a part of the material creation, it means that they're manifested in the material creation uh, when it's when it's manifested. But they are eternally, uh, they, they are eternal, as the material energy is eternal. But the material energy is changing over time, whereas the Vedas are not changing over time. Therefore the, material, therefore the Vedas are co-eternal with Krishna. They don't change over time. Whereas the material elements and the forms that are created by those material elements change over the time. And therefore they're considered to be inferior and temporary. Something from Rati Manjari. Haribo Rati. She says, Dear Guru Maharaj, please accept my humble obeisance, my respectful obeisances. Tonight I liked the prayers of Sridhar Maharaj. Mm. 
and Dr. Rupa says, so each time the Vedas manifest in each universe, they are the same? Yes. The Vedas contain the codes that allow Brahma and the other demigods to create the living beings and, and the structure of the universe. The original Vedas are it written in language that are not actually meant for human understanding. They're meant for the higher personalities, the higher demigods and sages. And they're meant to satisfy them when offering sacrifices so that the, you know, the resources of material nature and the goings-on, the workings of material nature will be uh, normal. And when they're neglected, when, when as the material cosmos uh, changes in time and they're neglected, then the activities of material nature become disorganized or not disorganized exactly, but they become uh, not unregulated. Like now, the, uh, the weather and the activities of human beings are becoming unregulated and therefore destructive. Love ignorance means destructive. And even in the Vedas, because most of the Vedas are meant for persons who are interested in improving themselves in the material existence uh, by different forms of sacrifice. Um, therefore, Krishna, uh, Krishna recommends to Arjuna, Trigunya Vishaya Veda Nishtrigunya Arjuna. Uh, it's hard to find Krishna in the Vedas. Uh, what is that? Vedeshu Durlabham Adurlabham Atmabhakto Vedeshu Durlabham means it's difficult to find Krishna in the Vedas. He's there, but he's only there a little bit and covered over by all kinds of materialistic concepts and ritualistic uh, ceremonies and so on and so forth. So it takes a person um, that is done with material existence to actually understand Krishna and, and acquire the, get the attention of Krishna so that Krishna will give from within uh, the instructions of how to come back to him and, and the, the, the reality the, 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 the essence of dharma or the essence of the purpose of life without that mercy from the super soul as we heard today and the representatives of the super soul of the spiritual masters in the, in the disciplic succession from Vyasadeva and Narada Muni and Brahma and the other four sampradayas, other three sampradayas, only they can actually understand and only they can receive uh, the intelligence and the strength and the courage and the tolerance to be able to uh, do the needful to perform devotional service to go back to the spiritual world and remove themselves from this cycle of birth and death which is causing so much suffering to the conditioned souls Hare Krishna Bhakti Rupa says amazing Hare Krishna I'm from Rati Mandrari mm. I also have a question it was mentioned several times the importance of thinking of Krishna's lotus feet does this mean that we literally have to practice thinking only of the feet of the Lord before we can or are allowed to think of the full body of the Lord? Well, we're supposed to think of the Lord, become accustomed to thinking of the Lord's lotus feet. Uh, the first three cantos of Srimad Bhagavatam are considered to be uh, the lotus feet of the Lord. And then the cantos, as they go up, uh, represent the higher features of the Lord until we reach the tenth canto which is the smiling face of the Lord. So, yes, we, it is important to meditate on the lotus feet of the Lord, but that doesn't mean that we can't... The lotus feet of the Lord actually means the Lord. It also means the Lord. 
Angani Yasi Sakalen Driti Driti Vatimanti. Angani Yasi Sakalen Driavitimanti. All the parts of the body are absolute of the Lord. All the parts of the Lord's body are absolute. It's not that one is lower and one is higher. But what it means is that because we're puffed up in the material world, uh, the, way, the path forward is to become humble. And therefore we don't look immediately at the lotus feet of the Lord. We keep our face down to the feet of the Lord. And then by that showing of humility, then we can gradually uh, rise to the face of the Lord. It's not that we, we, we can't see the face of the Lord, but the humility that's required to be able to be a personal associate of the Lord is very deep. Therefore, for instance, Lakshman, the uh, brother of Rama, he would never see the, 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 feet, the, the, the face of Sita. He would always look at her lotus feet out of sheer humility. So that's the meaning of meditating on the lotus feet of the Lord. Hare Krishna. From Ananda Murti Devi Dasani. Dear Guru Maharaj and all devotees, please accept my humble obeisances. All glories to Sri the Prabhupada. Thank you so much for today's reading of Krishna book. I understand I was saved by the way of devotional service. By your mercy, I, who am very fallen, have the opportunity to go on the right path because you gave me the chance to be initiated through you and connected to Guru Parampara. That is why I owed to return you by executing devotional service as much as possible. I feel deeply grateful for your causeless mercy. Thank you so much. Hare Krishna. Thank you for your uh, wonderful devotional attitude and for your steadiness in helping to produce the books in uh, Japan and also now to distribute them very nicely. So pleasing. Thank you. From Daitari Haridas. Haribo Hari Haridas. He says, Hare Krishna Maharaj, thanks again for reading tonight. I found the prayer quoted from Sridhar Swami very nice. That it is very difficult for one to meditate on Krishna's lotus feet unless one has attained love for him and that he prays to at least remember him for some of the time. I'd really like to be able to hear these books properly and chant the Maha Mantra properly and to be actually Krishna conscious when doing my services. Mm. <coughs> I'm a real mess to be honest. I definitely need the blessings of Krishna and people like you to do this because my one efforts Alone, I still feel like I'm being crushed by my own material desires. Yes, that's the nature of the material world. Therefore, one has to change one's desires from material to spiritual. One has to change one's conceptions from material to spiritual. And that's the purpose of hearing these books carefully for a long time uh, from the proper sources. Uh, Yes, and then one can then understand and give up or change one's conceptions, change one's desire, change one's conceptions from material to spiritual. Without understanding that you're a spirit soul, you won't be able to change your material conceptions. And it's the material conceptions that keep us in the material world. It's amazing that the universe is a completely perfectly designed system that has the method of getting out written into it. Yes, exactly. Incredible. True, true. From Devadharana. Haribo. Hare Krishna, dear Maharaj. I can find no way of thanking you enough, but by continuing in devotional service to Lord Krishna and my Guru Maharaj. Yes. I 
this is the most pleasing thing. Please, continue. <laughs> I pray that I hear your readings until I quit the body. Hare Krishna. All glories to Sri Prabhupada. All glories to Prabhupada. Nati Manjari says, Jai, thank you, Guru Maharaj. Hare Krishna. Shri Krishna, the Supreme Personality of Godhead Ki Jai, Samabeda Bhakti Vindaki Jai, Gaur, Prem, Anandi, Hari Hari Bol. Thanks very much, and we'll see you tomorrow night, same time, same place, same topic, the ever-existing, unlimited, nectarian ocean of Krishna consciousness. Hari Bol. <laughs>